Good afternoon to our church family here at Abundant Life Seventh-day Adventist Church and to our listening audience at station KKVV. We are so pleased that you have afforded us the opportunity to come into your homes and share God's message of salvation with you. The Word of God says, sing to the Lord all the earth, proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. We are located at 1720 North J Street and our website is www.abundantlife.org. We may also be reached by phone at 702-647-2627. We are pastored by Russell Lee Wars. Our associate pastor is Johnny Holliday, and our first elder is Clarence Brown. Today, Pastor Lee Wars will be speaking to us on a topic entitled, The Way of the Dragon. The Way of the Dragon. So please open your Bibles as we hear what the Word of God has to say to us concerning this important topic. Immediately following the musical selection, the next voice you will hear is that of Pastor Rast Russell Lee Wars. Hear ye him.
Amen. Amen, amen, and amen. They not only look lovely, but they sound wonderful. Ah, amen. God is good. So wonderful to hear young people giving songs of praise and honor to God for he's worthy of our praise. And I'm very thankful, young people, for your dedication to Jesus. Only challenge is you didn't tell me you were wearing pink and I have a pink tie that since I can't sing like you, at least I could represent with you. Yeah. But praise God and thank you. Thank you. And thank you, church, for the support, for all you have done during this time of transition, for your prayers. God has a plan for abundant life if we but surrender to his will. And we are in the right direction, amen? God is going to do something awesome for us. Elder Hudson, I am not in a hurry today. So I hope you're not in a hurry to run home today. I have a very serious message here. And in this month, this series of sermons, I have, I'm looking at the matter of a prayer. And the subject of this prayer says, is entitled, Disturb Us. I'm suggesting that we need to be disturbed with our relationship with Jesus. And the poet says, Disturb us, Lord, when we are too pleased with ourselves. When our dreams have come true, because we dream too little. When we arrived safely, because we sailed too close to shore. Disturb us, Lord. So I'm going to spend some time this month around that very same request to disturb us. So I'll be looking at some topics that may disturb us. For the kingdom's sake. And I don't mind being disturbed by Jesus. What about you? Amen. Shall we pray together? Father, I am in your pulpit. Use me and use me up for your cause. And Father, when it's all over, may you receive the glory, the praise, the honor you so deserve. And may, Father, as you disturb us, we may turn our hearts and our minds to you. May we leave here brand new for I beseech you, O God, in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
Our subject today is entitled The Way of the Dragon. The Way of the Dragon. And if you're visiting for the first time, pray for the speaker today. I am also very glad to see all of you new faces that you have chosen to worship with us here at Abundant Life. The leadership team here does not take it for granted that you chose to come here. We are extremely thrilled to have you. Thank you for choosing Abundant Life. And for those who haven't seen in a while, I'm glad you came today. This is the day that the Lord has blessed. And we ought to rejoice in it. Thank you, Sister Flora, for being here today. I missed you. Praise be to God. The way of the dragon today. I have a little scripture here. I hope you brought your Bibles. And if you didn't, I got a plan for you. <laughs> so you won't have any excuses. Yes. Let me ensure that the tool is working. Then we can go full stream ahead. All right. Touch that thing right there and put some spirit into it. Amen. Let me see if I got it. I think I'm stuck. Gentlemen, all right, there, stay there. All right, back up for me. All right, right there, hold it. Turn your Bibles to John 8 31 32. I, I know this is an important subject, you know. <laughs> I know this is. I know it is. And no virus is going to prevent me from, from making it happen. The way of the dragon. John 8. John chapter 8. What chapter did I say? Yes, yes. John chapter 8. John chapter 8 and verse 31. And the Bible says, I'm reading this portion from the New King James Version. It says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him. I'm hearing a little echo, Brother Jackson. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples. Indeed. And you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. 
It's a bitter experience when someone you have trusted let you down. If you've ever trusted anyone, you know when you when you put your trust and your confidence in someone and they fail you, it's a bitter experience. Sometimes we promise ourselves we will never do it again. It's a bitter experience when a marriage goes south. It's a bitter experience when your 401k is up in smoke. It's a bitter experience uh, when a judge is exposed for corrupt behavior. It's a bitter experience when politicians promise things that they don't deliver and you gave them your vote. It's a bitter experience when someone fires you without notice. It's a bitter experience when fire extinguishers don't work when you need them most. Kawasaki Takeshi knows that feeling. Brother Takeshi lost everything, and he wasn't supposed to. 100 years before, there was a tsunami that came to town and destroyed 90% of his village. And so he and his wife later visited, or rather, settled in the hills away from the seashore. And as time went on, newcomers would go by and settle on the hills. But then the government came, the Japanese uh, government came by and, and constructed a 30-foot wall, nine meters high, and encouraged the villagers to move down from the hills into the valley. Everyone in the village trusted in the wall. They felt safe with the wall. So 77-year-old Takeshi and his wife moved down from the hills. On Friday, March, 11th, 2011, another tsunami came to town. And as so many people trusted in the wall, not many people felt they needed to uh, escape. So a lot of them stayed. Some wise one ran out of town, returned to the hills. But that tsunami went over the wall. That 30-foot wall was not sufficient to keep the disaster away from the village. 
This is the seawall before devastation. Pretty, isn't it? Something looks like you could trust it. This is the seawall after on that fateful day. About 14,000 people lost their lives because they trusted in the wall. Takeshi and his wife are survivors of this devastating event. And when they spoke to the media, all they could talk about was not the fact that they were saved, not that they were secure, not that they made it through, but because all they wanted to say to the media, to CNN, to those who would listen, was that we trusted this great wall and it failed us. They trusted in the government and what they had to say. I am suggesting today that we are on a collision course for a similar calamity. We have a disaster ahead of us, not by a tsunami, but by the way of the dragon. The way of the dragon is for people to receive the mark of the beast. And when the mark of the beast comes, none of us will be able to escape its reach and its effects. Like Takeshi, a lot of us are trusting in man-made infrastructure. We are trusting government-built walls. We are trusting our, our, our friends. We are trusting the engineers. We are trusting our bishop. We are trusting our pastors. We are trusting our priests. And we are trusting our spouses. Some of us are trusting our parents. And none of us, most of us, I should properly say, are taking the time to open up the Bible and look at what God has to say for himself, to see for yourself what God has to say. That's why many of us will be swept away who would have been saved if they settled on higher ground. Now understand that the mark of the beast is this great culmination. It's a climax. It's the end of time. It's the hurrah moment. It is the final draw. And Revelation, Revelation chapter 12, and this is to respond to somebody about uh, uh, why sometimes it appears that when we have business meetings, it appears as though we have removed our garb of righteousness, set it aside at home, and then go to business meeting. Well, here's your answer. You know I'm talking to you. Shh, don't say who you are. 
Here's the answer. You asked me for it, here it is. Revelation chapter 12 speaks about the first business meeting. And at this business meeting was Brother Chair and our big brother, Jesus, chairing the business meeting. And in this business meeting, what happened was that Lucifer, a.k.a. Satan the devil, killed joy, brought new business to the already full agenda. The first business meeting. And so he took the concerns of a third of the angelic host to the chair. And man, they were loud. They were rowdy and disrespectful to the, in heaven of all places, to the chair. For a second, though, it looked as though Lucifer had the majority. Uh, looks can be deceiving, you see. Uh, uh, it looked as though he was in the majority. Some of the cherubim and seraphim, read the great controversy, Desire of Ages, begged Lucifer to calm down. Lucifer, please! But he wouldn't have it. He went off on a tirade, a rant. Isaiah 14, 13 tells us what was going on in his mind. It says, I will ascend into heaven, Satan says. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high God. He wanted to be the man. He wanted to be the head honcho. He wanted to be CEO. He wanted to be worshipped by the heavenly host. When the dust cleared, there was war. Revelation 12 tells us in heaven. And when the dust cleared, a third of the angelic hosts followed a new captain, Lucifer. I want to let you know that when this great controversy wraps up, we'll all know which side we have taken. Which side we have chosen. This is not like the Republican and Democratic deal. And, and you don't have to choose one. You can vote independent. This will not be so. At the end of this great controversy, you would have chosen which side you will like to be on. Whether you have chosen to worship Jesus, the Lamb, or the Antichrist, the beast. No more pretenses. No more hypocrisy. When the sky peels back, like a scroll, there'll be two groups on the planet. How many, church? Two. two groups. Yeah, group A made preparations to meet Jesus and built on higher ground on the rock. Group B built on the coast because the wall would protect them from disaster. People with common sense know that you have to build on the rock and the foolish stayed by the seashore gambling with danger. So when the tsunami breaks, they are sleeping with the fishes. 
Group A choose to love God, heart, soul, and mind, and strength. Group B have chosen to do no such thing. Some will be on the right and some will be on the left. Sheep and goats. Some will have the mark of the beast and some will have the living seal of God. There are only two groups when Jesus comes for his people. Revelation 14.9 says, Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone does what, church? Talk to me, church. Does what? Yes, that's it. Worships the beast and his image and receive his mark on his forehead or in his hand. Uh, what will happen? Well, I, I'll tell you. He himself shall what? Of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without? Into the cup of his indignation. Church, this is a serious message. Buckle up. But there's confusion on the land. Some people say the mark of the beast is a computer chip. Some people say it's a special label. Some people say that uh, they're going to tattoo it across your forehead. Some say, well, it's the cashless society, you see. That's the mark of the beast. And then there's another frustrating issue, my brothers and sisters, today. How will, will, will this mark of the beast is enforced? And please tell us who got it. Well, you know, the devil is the author of confusion. And he enjoys when people are confused about the mark of the beast. He's always plotting and scheming connivingly how he can get people to be confused because he knows at the heart of this is where you will stand. The M-O-B, will you hang with the mob, the mark of the beast crew, or will you be with the G-O-D people? Some of us are confused because some uh, famous people say the mark of the beast is the United Nations or the President of the United States. But the beast in Bible prophecy represents a power. What does it represent? What does it represent? A power or a nation. It's symbolic. Just like the eagle represents what? The United States of America. You know your eagle, right? You don't know the eagle? Okay. The eagle represents what? All right, you don't know the lion. The lion represents Great Britain. Aha. Uh -huh. But here are the facts today about this beast that, that we are looking at. Nine fast facts. Watch this. Stay with me. Buckle up. Here it is. It will be what? All right. It will rise up in where? Western Europe. Daniel 2 talks about nations, beasts. Uh, talks about uh, Babylon, it talks about Medo-Persia, it talks about Greece, it talks about Rome, pagan Rome, and uh, papal Rome. But not only that, look at this. This little horn would do what? It would rise after the ten horns. This means they were set up in place by 476 AD, which also means that this horn is not Nero. 
That was way after his time. But look at number four. It would also do what? Number five, it would what? It would be, and it would be eyes, the eyes of what? There would, be a, there would be a man seeing for the Uh-huh. And then number six says, look at number six, great words and blasphemies are what? Spoken against God. Mm-hmm. Now we're getting somewhere. We're getting somewhere. Number seven says, this little horn does what? It persecutes Christians. Oh boy, it's getting tough. And then number eight says, it would what? It would mount an attack against the what? And finally, looking at the characteristics of this beast mm -hmm, that you don't want the mark of, it would rule for how long? Aha. Uh -huh. So this tells me in the midst of confusion, my brothers and sisters, we know one thing. It's not no silicon chip that they want to put within your brain. Not only that, but this little horn isn't just one person or an individual. This isn't one person. This is no president, no prime minister, no dictator. This horn represents a religious political system. Compare, if you please, Daniel chapter 7 with Revelation 17, 9 to 11 when you've got time and history will be our witness. There was simply Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and then we have Rome, pagan Rome and papal Rome to take its place. I'm no alarmist. I don't believe in conspiracy theories. These are facts. You can go to the library and check it for yourselves. When the Caesars lost their power, Roman bishops stepped up and the Vatican City became the ruling power. Rome stepped into a, a, a power vacuum, gained prominence, gained influence, gained power. Kings and queens bowed their knees to the Pope. The problem we have with this is that it's the same attitude, same strategy, and same desire. That's the problem we have. The system has not changed. But some say, you got it all wrong, preacher. No, 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 wait, 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 preacher. Wait, 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 hold on. Isn't the mark of the beast the 666-666? Well, Revelation again, 13, 18 says, here is what? Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a? Oh, so it's not the mark of the beast. It's the number of a man. And his number is what? Three score and six. I did the math for you. 666. Now, in old times, popes had many titles. And one of those titles is Vicarious Filii Dei. Now, if you're familiar with Roman numerals, you know that usually these have 
numerical functions. They have numbers, they mean something. And that title there means Vika of the Son of God, or the one who stands in the place of God. Isn't that interesting, isn't it? And so when you look at this right here, you will see that, it, you know, V in Roman numeral equals how much? Oh, there we are. We got some scholars here already. Miko, they bright. Awesome stuff. Vicarious Philly idea. So when you look at this, the V is 5, I equals 1, C is 100, A is nothing, R is nothing, I is 1, U is another way of writing the V, which is 5, and S equals 0. Add up all of these, and you get what number you think? 112 plus 53 plus 501 equals... 666. Isn't that brilliant, guys? You did that all on your own. Praise God. Now, some people say, what kind of mumbo-jumbo kind of thing is that? Pastor, you're reaching. That can't be right. In fact, maybe my name can add up to more than that if you work it out. Well, this is just one characteristic of identifying what this mark is. We have just looked at nine, and what we are sure about is that this is not a computer chip. It's not a label. It's not a tattoo. This thing is a system. So let's look at what Revelation 13 has to say. It says, read it with me, and I saw. One of his heads as if it had been what? And his deadly wound was? And all the world marveled and followed the beast. How many people in the world? Aha. Uh -huh. All the people in the world. And so they, they did what to the dragon? They worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast saying, who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. See, listen, folk. God has his seal, and the beast has his mark. The beast got his mark for his followers today. And God has his mark for his people. Revelation 7 verse 3 says, look at it, do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we do what? Of the servants of God. God has a seal for his people. God's going to put his seal on our foreheads. Now you're thinking foreheads. He's going to put his seal in the minds of his people, up in the frontal lobe of your mind, the headquarters of making decisions. Decisions come from up here. God wants our minds, and he wants you to make your decision based on the word of God. When you believe on Jesus, you have got the seal. Now, in Bible times, a seal showed the law was valid. Like getting a document notarized. 
An affidavit means nothing unless you have it notarized. So simply, simply, this right here, God wants to make something official. Give you another example. Ahab was looking at Naboth's vineyard. And Ahab said, man, it looks so beautiful. I got to have it. And his wife said, honey, don't worry about a thing. I'm going to hook you up. Got some strong women in the Bible, you know. Yeah. And so what she did, honey, don't worry. Say, okay, dear, love you, kiss. And so what Jezebel did was she created a decree, worked out a little document, took her husband's seal, Ahab's seal, and stamped the document, thereby making the document official. So now it was right to go by and take Naboth's vineyard because the law said it was right. When God puts his seal on someone, it means ownership. It means identity. It means protection. This is about loyalty, abundant life. When you're sealed, you belong to God. Isaiah 8.16 says, bind up the testimony. Bind up the testimony. Seal the law among my disciples. Hebrews 8.10 says, God wants to do something for us today. I will do what? Oh, you better stay with me. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts. And I will be to them and they shall be to me a... That's what Jesus is about today. The law will be placed in the mind and the seal will be in the mind of the believer. The seal will show us the authority of God's law, the authenticity of God's law. We worship him because he is God and there is none beside him. We worship him because he said, let there be and there was. So thou art worthy, O God, Revelation says, to receive honor and glory and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. God is our creator. God's authority is derived from the fact that he's creator. The seal of his law shows creatorship. The authority to give law, to rule over all. Just like Barack Obama. That's his name. Name is Barack Obama. His title is president and his dominion is the United States. That's what's on his seal. And so Exodus 20 has a clue for us. It has a clue about the seal of God. A seal has the name, it has the title, it has dom the dominion. And so if we're looking for God's seal, it should have what? It should have what? It should have what? Sweet. I like that. They're following me today, praise God. So when you go to Exodus chapter 20 and verse 10, read it with me so it stays in your mind. What does it say? But the, is the, of the, 
Oh, there it is. It's the Sabbath of the Lord. Name. Ah, see? So there's our name. Lord, now you might say, well, the Bible has lots of names for God. Please don't engage me in an argument with that. When we see Lord, we know it's talking about God. So now let's go down and see if we find some more in the word of God. For in what? Six days the Lord did what? Oh, so he made. And if he made, what does that make him? The? Oh, yes, brilliant stuff. Brilliant. I love it. Do you love it? Amen. So we have his name, we have his title, and now let's see if we got dominion. We've got what? Heaven and earth and sea and what? And rested the seventh day, wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and does what? Ooh-wee! So now, God's seal is found in the fourth commandment where God says, here is why you worship me, because I am the I am. I'm the reason you exist. So therefore, I've given you my Sabbaths to be a sign between you and me. So you may know that I'm the Lord that sanctifies you that cleanses you, that does everything for you. The Sabbath is God's special sign. That sign tells us God has the authority over our lives when we receive that in our lives. It's a special sign of God's creative power, and our surrender to him is as clay surrendered to the potter. Now some people are saying, no, wait a minute, hold up. As soon as you mention the Sabbath, some people get spooked, you know. They get anxious. They like, they say, they say simply, listen, 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 that's salvation by works. But it alarms me. It's surprising to me that nobody has a problem with thou shall not commit adultery. Thou shall not lie. Thou shall not murder. Huh? Thou shall not worship any other, for any other gods but me. Thou shall not lie. Thou shall not steal. But as soon as you say the Sabbath problems. But I want to let you know that faith is taking God at his word. You remember Abraham, right? God showed up, looked at Abraham and Sarah, and delivered a blessing. God says, I know you're old and everything, but y'all going to have a baby. In the 90s, oh, oh, Sarah went off on a little laugh. <laughs> and Abraham, he was tickled fancy. They thought Jesus, the Lord, came by to give them some Comedy Central. That, that's what they thought. And so, told you we have strong women in the Bible, right? So, Sarah, a strong woman, told her husband, husband, come here. And a good husband, yes, love. <laughs> husband, I don't think God meant what he said. So here's what I want you to do. You're going to lie with 
the maid or hired help and bring me back a son. And I don't know what was going on with the man of God, Abraham, but he did what his wife says. So I guess for a happy life, you obey the wife. So Abraham went in, did his thing in the tent, and boom, we got Ishmael. Uh-huh. But Ishmael is not the promise. A lot of us like to do things our way. Yeah. God said, here's what I want you to do. You said, no, 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 God. This is what I want to do. I think my way is better. And later we come to our senses, and it's just like God to give us another shot. When they trusted God, they got Isaac. The promise became a reality. That's faith. When God says, remember the Sabbath day, and you say, yes, Lord, that's faith. But if you say, Lord, I hear you, you know, but would it be okay to give you Monday? Jesus, would it be better to give you Tuesday? How about Wednesday night, Jesus? You know what, Jesus? I'm off Thursday night. Would that be fine with you? That's not faith. That's the way of the dragon. Some people say, I know it's the commandment of God. I know it is, Pastor. But y'all don't know about my church. You don't know my generation been Baptist all the days of my life. My reverend bishop wouldn't be happy with me. Some rationalize by saying they're not really commandments. They're ten principles. Still others say, I know what the Bible says, but, but, but this and but that and faith is accepting God at his word. And I want you to know, Revelation is clear. Revelation says, if any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, what does it say? The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God. But verse 12, I want you to see verse 12. It says, here is the what? Here is the what? The patience of the saints. Any saints up in here? Here's the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the what? And the? Oh, praise the Lord today. Is that clear, church of God? Seems clear to me. It's coming from the word of God. That is saying to us today, saints, the saints of God keep his commandments. Faith is always expressed in obedience, and everyone is keeping something. Saints keep the commandments. None saints got the mark of the beast. It's that simple. And there's a nation, beast, rearranging the commandments of God, especially when it comes to worship. And you're like, okay, pastor, show me quick. Show me quick, because you're upsetting me. Daniel 7, verse 25. Let's see it. And he shall do what? Great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and to think to what? And they shall be given into his what? 
until a time and times and the dividing of time. So there it is, saints. The saints of God keep the commandments of God. And if that isn't enough, let's go back to Exodus chapter 20. And Exodus uh, chapter 20 simply says this. It simply says this. Exodus chapter 28 says, remember the Sabbath day. If it says remember, it means it has been around a long time. Don't forget it to keep it holy. But look at what this system says, this papal Rome system. Look at what it says. I want you to see this with me. Okay, so why do you do what you do? All right, well, here's why we do. Which is the Sabbath day? All right, Saturday is the? All right. Why do we observe Sunday instead of Saturday? Well, here's what a Catholic says. Because the Catholic Church transferred, transferred the solemnity from Saturday to Sunday. Solemnity, the holiness, the peculiarness, the, 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 the special the unique fact from, the, from Saturday to Sunday. And you, you're saying to me, well, you're making up that, that thing, Pastor. You, 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 you made that up. Well, here it is. Converts Catechism, page 50. That's where it came from. Here's someone else who has something to say. This is Cardinal Gibbons, Faith of Our Fathers, page 89. You may read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and you may not, you will not find a single line authorizing the, the sanctification of Sunday. The uh, scriptures enforce the religious observance of Saturday. But that is clear for us. Here's someone else. I'm going quickly. Dr. Carl Keating. Catholic apologist and theologian, he says, fundamentalists, people who say they accept the Bible as the pillar of their faith. Fundamentalists meet for worship on when? Yet there is no evidence in the Bible that corporate worship was to be made on what? Mm -hmm. Saints, we love the resurrection. Hallelujah. But rearranging the commandments and saying we did it to honor Sunday is disturbing and against the will of God. Here's another Catholic priest writing in the St. Catherine Catholic Church. Perhaps the boldest thing he says, the most revolutionary change a church ever did, happened in the 4th century. The holy day, the Sabbath was changed from Saturday to Sunday. Now check this out. Here's what he says. Not from any directions noted in the scripture, but from the church's sense of its own what? People who think that the scripture should be the sole authority should logically become what? Catholic priest said that. Huh? C.F. Thomas wrote, here's what he wrote. Of course, the church claims that the change was her act, and the act is a mark of her ecclesiastical power and authority in religious matters. And here is the head honcho. 
the leader of the system, preaching in Vienna, Austria, he says, here's a little Latin for you, Leslie, sine dominico non pursumus. In English, say it without we. And I want to reassure you that he was not drunk on the wine, nor was he confused at the time. The way of the dragon church begins firstly with deception. Fire will come down from heaven. You'll see miracles and signs. And then when that doesn't work, there is persuasion. But the final measure has no room for negotiation. It's straight up coercion. That's the way of the dragon. How do I know? Revelation 14, 8 says, And all that dwell upon the earth shall do what? Whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Revelation 13, 8 makes it clear that this religious political system backed by the worldwide secular and political authority and powers will intensify its activities for one ultimate goal. Church today, all of what I say is about worship. That's all it's about, worship. Who is your Abba Father? Who is your Daddy? That's what this is about. Matthew 15, 9 says, but in vain they do what? Teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And you're like, can so many people be wrong? Let me hasten to let you know that there are good people who are Catholics, good people in other churches. So don't get it twisted today. But you're asking me, can Reverend Graham and T.D. Jakes Oldstein got thousands on Sunday mornings and millions worshiping around the world? I want to let you know that Jesus is your blueprint. Jesus is your pattern. Jesus says false Christ and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead you, if possible, the elect church of God. God wants us to take our foot off the Sabbath. God says, I give you the Sabbath because I, the Sabbath is a delight. Mark of the Beast is pretty simple, church. Youth, young people, it's not difficult. The Mark of the Beast is the change in God's moral law. The Mark of the Beast is rejecting the sovereignty of God. This isn't just about a day or one day of the week. It's what the day represents. Look at this. I got some books up there, up here with me. This one is entitled Memories. This is one book. This one says, The Whole Life in the Spirit. These are all books I have up here. And I got this book too. Now because they're all books, I should do this. I should be able to walk all over them like this because they are books. They're books, right? Here's another book. Let's put it down so they can see it. Memories. Well, this will be a memory, I tell you.
And nobody cares about that, right? Because these are just books. What about this book? <laughs> what about this book? Why can't I put it down there and stamp all over it, church? Because of what the book represents. This is the word of God. It's not just a day. It's the seventh day Sabbath. God says my blessing is in the Sabbath. It's his rulership. It's a sign of his authority. It's a sign of his supremacy. Some people, some people say, well, it doesn't matter. Well, it does matter. And some people are still confused. God says to Moses, listen, tell the people, don't go out there and try to get manna on the Sabbath. You're not going to find any. Sabbath morning came. Guess what happened? Thousands of them went out there looking for manna. So you ask me, can so many people be confused? God says to Moses, tell them, don't keep any of the manna overnight. I know you like leftovers. Don't do it. Some said, nah, 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 that can't be right. This manna so good. So they put a little manna for a late night eating, a late night snack. And what happens? Worms. And the manna went bad. When God says to do something, that's what he means. He says, if thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a what? A delight. I will cause you to ride upon the high places. At the foundation of this is one thing. L-O-V-E. If you love me, you will do what? Praise God. Now let me hasten to tell you this. Let me hasten because I'm out of time. Let me hasten to tell you this. No one has the mark of the beast currently. Right now, there are only three groups sitting before me and in this world.